In our season of Advent, we've been talking about Jesus, our hope, Jesus, our peace, Jesus, our joy. And today we're going to talk about Jesus, our love. This being the last Sunday in Advent, Christmas being right around the corner. Uh, we usually take time during Christmas, of course, to uh, give a gift to those that we love and appreciate. The gifts given to baby Jesus by the Magi were given out of love for the Savior who had been born. And perhaps you've experienced in the season of giving and receiving, there are times that people's responses to receiving a gift can be a bit strange to say the least. For example, there was a little girl who had received some mittens from her grandmother. And although the little girl was expecting something else, she decided she better respond by writing a note of thanks to her grandma. So this is what she wrote. She said, Thank you, Grandma, for the mittens you sent me. I like them, but not very much. I hope that hasn't been your experience. The response was a bit rough, but probably from her, it probably was a bit honest. Well, how do we respond to God and the gifts that God gives us? Well, let's begin by talking about the greatest gift that God gives us. From John chapter 3, you know the verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That being from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. What was the motivation for the greatest gift that God ever gave us? It was love. God so loved us. Well, why do we give gifts? Do we give gifts out of love or some other reason? We know that there are many reasons why people give gifts. Sometimes they give out of obligation to give. It's expected of them and so they give that way or perhaps they give gifts to a co-worker or a relative or an acquaintance and they don't even like them, but they feel obligated. Uh, confession time, am I right about that? We must admit that sometimes we may feel obligated to give a gift. We receive one, we feel like we maybe have to give one. Maybe there are times that we give gifts to impress other people. Maybe people give gifts and expect something back in return. Um, you ever given your boss a gift to gain their favor? Uh, sometimes people give gifts because of compassion. They see someone who has a genuine need and they, uh, they give because of the need. Sometimes we give gifts because of appreciation. Uh, sometimes we give gifts because of love. Uh, there are a few people in our lives that we love more than others and uh, our gifts to them are motivated by our love for them no strings attached just because we love them we give it's something that we're just compelled to do hopefully that's what most of your giving is but again what was God's motivation for giving us Jesus the greatest gift of all well of course it was his love for us God so loved the world that he gave his only son what was the quality of the greatest gift given of course it was perfect god gave the perfect gift the gift of his son you know god never gives us 
second or third rate gifts. God always gives us his best. It is said that the busiest days for retail stores takes place between the weeks of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then the second busiest time is after Christmas when many of the gifts are exchanged or returned. Well, why is that? Well, some gifts are returned because they, they don't fit if it's something to wear or they don't work or simply because they, they don't want them. And uh, maybe like those mittens that uh, we talked about earlier. But if understood, if we really understood God's gifts to us, no one would regret receiving what God has to offer, especially his greatest gift of Jesus. So John 3.16 not only tells us God's motivation for giving us the greatest gift, the motivation being love, but the quality of the gift as well. He gave out of love. He gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. God did not create a savior for us. He did not create a perfect man after the fall into sin. He didn't send an angel that looked like a man. He sent his very own precious son. And so we might ask the question, well, what was his son like? Hebrews 1.3 says it this way. The son, of course, Jesus, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. We ask the question, what is God like? Well, if we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one. Isaiah the prophet foretold about the Messiah to come, describing Jesus in this way. A wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then the angel could say to Joseph, the father of Jesus, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The son, Jesus, he is God, truly human, truly divine. God did not create a savior. He came himself in human flesh to save us. So the message of the manger at Christmas time is that our king, our Emmanuel, God with us, has indeed come. And God's greatest gift brings to you and to me eternal results. The babe in the manger became the savior on the cross and the Lord of the empty tomb. He didn't come to give us a holiday. He came to make us holy and right with God. He took our sin. He gave us his righteousness. That is truly a holy day. Jesus not, didn't come to give us a reason to exchange gifts, although that's important to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But he came to bring us eternal life. As the verse says in John 3.16, the second half, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so the greatest gift we receive is the salvation that Jesus brings us. I like what someone has wisely put in this uh, quote. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. 
If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. End of quote. Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Who receives those benefits of God's greatest gift? Well, whoever believes, as the word says in John 3, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God declares the world forgiven through Christ's death on our behalf. Everyone is under that umbrella of redemption, but not everyone receives the benefit of being redeemed. Why is that? Well, as the Bible says, only those, again, who trust in Jesus, who have faith, who believe in him, receive those benefits. John, as he wrote in the gospel in chapter 1, Jesus came to his own and many rejected him. But to those who received him, we're told in verse 12, John 1, 12, to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. It's similar, really, to us receiving a Christmas gift when someone gives you a gift, how do you respond? Do you say this? Do you say, oh, that's very nice. Now, how much do I owe you? Or how can I repay you for this gift? That would be silly, of course. No, we don't do that. The appropriate response to a gift that we receive is to say, thanks, thank you. And yet how often do we, even after we receive God's gift of salvation, Do we feel obligated to try and pay for that gift, to work for our salvation? Salvation is a gift from God. We receive with thanks. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. We cannot improve on God's his perfect gift, nor should we try to pay for it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We only what? We only receive it. We're thanksgiving. Now, when Jesus was born shortly after that, a a group of highly intelligent philosophers called wise men from the East thought Jesus was, of course, pretty special. They saw his star in the East and they came to worship him. And Matthew, the book of Matthew, records their journey to offer him gifts. Those gifts, as you're probably familiar with, were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Briefly, the first gift, gold, was a gift that was fit for a king. The gift was valuable, of course, being gold, but it meant more than just being valuable. Jesus was, Jesus is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who came to live among us, not an earthly king, but a heavenly king not to bring a temporary kingdom, but to bring an eternal kingdom. The gift of gold was brought to him. Second gift was frankincense, which was used in the temple, symbolizing prayer, specific to really our relationship with God. Do you know that you and I were created to live in relationship with God? Well, Jesus makes that possible. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's about living in relationship with God. By Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus made it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins, brought us 
into a relationship with God, a relationship that had been broken by sin. And so frankincense was very important. The third gift that the wise men brought was myrrh. Now myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. Jesus was born in order to what? To die. From the cradle to the cross, God pours out his love to us in the person of Jesus. Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's revelation through the centuries. A promise of a Messiah, the gift given to us. And when we know him, we have all that we need to be saved from our sins and to have a perfect relationship with God, only perfect because of what Jesus' perfect sacrifice for us was all about. For as God, he never sinned, and therefore he could redeem us. As a man, he could die a death that we all die one day. He could die on a cross. And so the perfect, sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, through that death and resurrection, once for all, made his believers perfect in the sight of God. So God now looks at us justified, a term for that being a word for that being just as if we'd never sinned. God looks at us in that light through what Christ has done for us as we trust in him. Hebrews 10, 14 says it this way, By one sacrifice, he, meaning Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, meaning you and I. If we add anything to the sacrifice of what Jesus did or take anything away from that, it really denies its validity. So let's not be deceived. Let's be aware of anyone who tells us that Christ's sacrifice still leaves us incomplete or that something else is needed in order to make us acceptable to God. It's not Jesus plus something else equals salvation. It's Jesus only. Only the person who has received that gift that Jesus offers is able to go to heaven. If a person could earn it, if a person could buy his way there, then the death of Jesus would be considered invalid and un unnecessary, and therefore the words of Jesus worthless. But Jesus makes us completely right, complete in a relationship with God. And once we know him, our desire is therefore to want to please him. He is pleased with our service. But we cannot be saved by our service. We're saved by, by his work for us, by grace through faith, so that we cannot boast and say, look how much I've done. It's what Jesus Christ has done. Believe first and then do what God asks us to do. In that order, we are a work in progress. You see, we love because Christ first loved us. And God wants to help us and uh, to obey. And then he gives us the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he asks of us. And so our motivation for doing anything is what? Again, what his motivation was in saving us, love. Our love for God is our motivation for service. I like what Christiana Rosetta, Rosetti wrote in the uh, song, uh, In the Bleak Midwinter, one of the verses describes our response to God and what it ought to be. 
Here's a short verse that she shares. It says, what can I give him, meaning Jesus, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. God wants us. And so as we close today, I want you to imagine that this year you had to bring a gift, give a gift to a person who has been mean to you, has maybe hurt you in some way, maybe lied uh, about you to someone else, hurt you, um, someone you would maybe even consider your enemy, not a friend. And although that would be an unusual request, I need to ask, what kind of gift would you be willing to give a person like that if you were asked to do so? Would you give them the best that you had to offer? Honestly, uh, I think it would be awful difficult trying to think of anything that, that we would want to give them. Maybe we'd give them a fruitcake if we didn't like fruitcake, but anything we give them just would not seem right to give to a person who might be considered our enemy. They don't deserve a gift. But let's stop and think about this for a minute. Think about this. Each of us, each one of us, is that person when it comes to our relationship with God before Christ comes into our lives. We've all sinned against God. We've turned our backs on Him. We've lied to Him. We've cheated. We've stolen. We've hurt God in some way. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I haven't done that. How can you say that? Well, James in his epistle says that if we keep the whole law and yet we break and stumble in one, one part, we're guilty of breaking all of it. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I believe it would be correct to say that there's nobody who hasn't broken at least one of God's laws, either in thought, word, or deed. And because of that sin, we're spiritual enemy. we are spiritual enemies of God. Without forgiveness, needing that forgiveness until we come to Jesus Christ. Although enemies, Jesus offers that gift of love, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of hope, the gift of peace, the gift of joy that we've talked about these last three weeks, and the joy of everlasting life. Why? Why does he do that? Though we are enemies of his spiritually, because he loves us. And what did it cost him? It cost him his life, the very best that he had to give. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. Praise God. We can all receive God's forgiveness, a home in heaven through Christ Jesus. And that's awesome. So what is our response? Again, believe, receive what Christ offers us. Give thanks. And then go and tell others not out of obligation, but simply out of our love for him and what he has done for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love came to us at Christmas. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. His name is Jesus. May you have a blessed Christmas. Let us pray. 
In this season of giving, O oh Lord, you gave us your very best. Jesus, out of your love for us, you gave yourself for our salvation. This is a gift from you to us. Lord, help us to receive your gift with thanks and praise. Only you could give us that gift of forgiveness and life everlasting. May we believe, may we receive, and then go and share that gift with others. All praise and glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen.